Hello, and welcome to The Scott Mize Show, a podcast focused on health, diet, bodybuilding, and philosophy. I interview experts, doctors, coaches, and N equals one case studies to answer your questions about improving health, achieving your best physique, and making sustainable progress. We'll cover topics from carnivore and ketogenic diets, to bodybuilding, to life philosophy, and everything in between. Enjoy the show. Carnivore and ketogenic diets can be an excellent way to combat diseases we commonly associate with aging and degeneration in the modern world. But if you're like me, you want to do everything possible to stay in your prime physically and mentally as long as you can, especially with me thinking about starting a family. I really value the most research-backed ingredients and science for bettering the aging process. Today's sponsor is Neurohacker, which packs seven of the most science-backed senolytic ingredients into one formula called Qualia Senolytic. And you can take it just two days a month for fast and noticeable benefits and for a much better aging process. I've been taking Qualia Senolytic for the last month and I've already noticed a big improvement in my physical and mental energy for my family and friends and my productivity has improved. I feel invigorated, I feel enthusiastic and ready to get things done. It's also backed by a 100-day money-back guarantee. So that means you can try it for almost three full months. And if you don't like it, there's no risk. You can decide for yourself. If you're in your late 20s or older, adding Qualia Senolytic to your diet can play a crucial role in combating negative aging symptoms. Go to neurohacker.com scott for up to 50% off Qualia Senolytic. And as a listener of the show, you can use code SCOTT at checkout for an extra 15% off your first purchase. Again, it's risk-free. Just go to neurohacker.com slash Scott to try Qualia Analytic with code Scott and start aging on your own terms. Thanks and back to the show. Dr. Rachel Brown at Carnivore Shrink on Instagram is a consultant psychiatrist in the UK who specializes in metabolic health and focuses on root cause healing. She graduated from Edinburgh University in 2003 and has worked in psychiatry since 2004. She's a nutrition network advisor and certified functional medicine practitioner. She also holds a master's degree in medical laws and ethics and is involved in ongoing research in ketogenic diets and mental disorders. Dr. Brown is advocate for therapeutic carbohydrate restriction and dietary modification to address underlying metabolic dysfunction and gut dysbiosis as underlying causes of mental disorders. She's the author of the best-selling book, Metabolic Madness, Understand Why Metabolic Health is Key to Mental Health, Your Keys to Success. Welcome to the show, Dr. Brown. Hi, thanks so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah, really appreciate it. Um, and just really excited. I, I always find, we were chatting a little bit before, before hitting record, find the mental interplay between diet um, and psychology so fascinating. And I've had a lot of guests on who have had outstanding results themselves from um, altering their diet as well as um, practitioners. So always excited. And I think um, your approach is, is really interesting. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I can't wait to, um, to just see what's going to happen in the future in terms of they're becoming increasing awareness of the impact that diet and lifestyle can have on mental health. Yeah. So maybe let's start there. Do you think the the narrative, like, how has the narrative changed over time in your mind 
um, maybe like what are we coming from <laughs> and and how do you see it changing with regards to awareness of the effects of diet and nutrition on on mental health? Yeah, so I think sadly um, within allopathic medicine, so just sort of Western mainstream medicine, there, there's there's not really that much awareness, if any. So I, I feel fairly on my own in terms of speaking out, um, certainly amongst colleagues and um, even potentially in the UK. Um, so I, I did a teaching session recently for a number of different consultant psychiatrists and, and kind of going back through the research and actually just educating people on the connections between food and the importance of that in terms of our gut health and systemic inflammation in the body and oxidative stress and all of the different facets that are involved when it comes down to mental health, but also general health. Unfortunately, it just, um, it tends to be received as something completely novel um, and almost unheard of, um, certainly within the, the medical circles within which um, I tend to associate just in terms of my NHS work. Um, but having said that, there are more and more people out there with lived experience um, and certainly in psychiatry, a really big Thing. And there's a lot of emphasis placed on lived experience and listening to people who've, who've lived through having certain disorders and what's worked for them and what hasn't, what's been helpful, what has been unhelpful. Um, and so I think there should be more emphasis placed on people who've actually been real life trials themselves. So their own N of one who managed to turn around their health entirely um, by making lifestyle changes. And obviously there are different grassroots movements um, afoot, certainly in terms of the keto community and the carnivore community and other kind of allied health communi communities. Um, but there's also some more research happening now um, because of philanthropic um, donations and concentration and research in the mental health field. So that, that feels really good because I think that hasn't been able to happen up to now because, let's face it, the vast majority of research studies are funded by the pharmaceutical industry. And there isn't really going to be much money to be made um, from recommending a ketogenic diet or a carnivore diet when it comes to, to mental health or any other neurological conditions that they can potentially benefit. Yeah, absolutely. And stepping back for a minute, how, how did you get involved in uh, first psychiatry generally? And then um, how did that evolve for you and, and start to involve nutrition? Um, and its influence on on psychiatry um, over the years. Yeah, so I when I went to medical school, I knew I had an interest in mental health, and I essentially applied to do medicine to become a psychiatrist. Now, if you'd asked me back then to describe what a psychiatrist was, I probably didn't really have that great an idea. Um, but I, I I just always felt drawn to it and felt that that was my purpose, um, and so that's how I made my decisions about studying medicine and then training uh, within psychiatry at the earliest opportunity that I could. Um, but having said that, I, I've had really a lifelong interest in holistic health and natural health treatments and health optimization, but also particularly nutrition. Um, so I've had an interest for a very long time myself, and it's really been my own health journey, I would say, that's um, led me to kind of low-carb, um, and initially a primal. Um, so I was a big follower of Mark Sisson, still am. I really admire a lot of the work that he does. Um, so it was really 
becoming primal and I went on my own health journey and um, that just gradually transitioned into keto and then um, coming up for four years ago now carnivore personally and my own personal journey has been that of somebody who has a sugar addiction although I didn't really fully appreciate that or recognize that until I was carnivore I would say so keto helped that a lot um, but I had real clarity around that whole issue um, after going carnivore um, and then just within sort of being immersed in the different keto and carnivore communities, I've just come across so many different people, uh, some of whom have completely put um, symptoms of major mental disorder into remission after years of failed uh, treatments, medications, um, other physical type treatments that you can get. So that really piqued my curiosity. And, and I think it was coming across others who'd done really well and had had a lot of success in their treatment that that's what piqued my curiosity in, in relation to combining my two interests and trying to, to connect the dots there. Yeah. And it's funny, Mark Sisson was also a giant influence on me early on before keto was even really a thing. Um, yeah. I remember, you know, following Mark's Daily Apple and mm -hmm. following a primal approach. And it's amazing how much of that stuff has really held up. And he, oh, yeah. he has such a great balanced overall macro perspective of things, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. And even when it comes to exercise and um, barefoot shoes, you know, I've kind of done everything. So yeah, and there's just so much of, of what he's endorsed over the years that I really do agree with. And that, um, yeah appears very authentic and rings true to myself in terms of my own experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And so how did you start to pull it into your, your clinical practice um, and applying it to people you work with? Yeah. So um, in 2020, I studied functional medicine and qualified um, with a certification in that. Um, and obviously 2020 was a, a strange time um, for everybody, but um, that really sort of piqued my interest again in terms of holistic health. And it was shortly after that that I found out that Dr. Georgia Ede, who I'm sure a lot of people know, um, had a program going training clinicians. And um, that was just music to my ears because um, in terms of being a psychiatrist and being registered with the Royal College, um, you have certain amount of continuous professional development that you have to upkeep and you have to achieve a certain number of study hours every year on a variety of different topics. And um, it's safe to say there's, there hasn't been a, another CPD item that has been of more interest to me than, than the ketogenic diets for clinicians uh, course that Dr. Georgia Ede runs. And so I trained with her early in 2021. I'm in January of 2021. And it was just really refreshing to have a completely new perspective, almost like a new set of eyes in terms of um, somebody taking a slightly different approach, um, but a much more personalized, refined approach to conventional psychiatric assessment. And it was really nice to connect with other clinicians who were doing the training at the time and bounce ideas off each other. Um, so, so it was training with Dr. Georgia Ede that really has changed my, my own practice. This episode is brought to you by LMNT Electrolytes. This month, we're switching it up with an exclusive offer that's only for VIP LMNT partners, including Carnivore Cast listeners. You can now receive this free sample pack 
along with any regular purchase when you use my custom link, which is provided in the show notes or my Instagram link in bio. That's drinklmnt.com forward slash carnivorecast, all one word. And as I said, I'll include the link in the show notes. LMNT electrolytes are convenient, evidence-based, and delicious. And get yours today to help support the show. Thank you. Another huge influence on me and a great voice in the community. Um, and uh, I'm curious how... Um, so so you're also researching um, the, the effects of ketogenic diets and mental disorders. Can you talk about that work? Yeah, so it, it's... Um... Yeah, I don't know if I believe in coincidences or not, but it's been good fortune that uh, that uh, there just so happened to be a research team in Edinburgh where I'm based in Scotland who were already planning in um, in the first stages of a pilot trial, so a pilot study looking at the ketogenic diet in bipolar disorder. Um, so it was really a feasibility study to see how many people could stick with a diet and and see what initial um, improvements or data could be gathered around that. Um, so I, um, I found out about it by another doctor who'd worked with me, who went on to work on the study. And um, so I've kind of joined along with them and been going to their research meetings. And hopefully there's further research in the works. Um, so there are various applications going in for further research funding. But it's been, um, it's been really eye-opening. So it was a very small-scale scale study, so it's hard to, to draw any clear conclusions from it, but there was certainly a proportion of people within the study who responded really well uh, to the dietary intervention. And actually, a lot of people found it, um, found it. I don't want to say necessarily easy, but they managed to stick with the diet and they had a good amount of support there um, for them to do it. So yeah, it's really interesting to see what's gonna happen in the future. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really interesting. I actually took a big trip to Scotland in 2013. I was there for eight days. We went all around the Isle of Skye and um, just such a beautiful country. I was mm -hmm. not uh, car into carnivore keto primal back then. <laughs> it was okay. a, a lot of a lot of craft beer. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, um, but right. <laughs> I, I remember the seafood was incredible. Um, mm -hmm. Do you feel like there's a good um, carnivore, ketogenic aware community in Scotland? I don't know about in Scotland, there are, there are a few people. Um, so we had, um, gosh, when was it? It was March of this year. There was the first public health collaborative meeting in Scotland. Um, and the public health collaborative is really based in England and there's a much larger organization there, but there is some representation in Scotland. And I was lucky enough to go along and speak at that meeting and, and um, it was really touching from my point of view because the room was just full of people who get it and understand the importance of keto and, and not just that. So in fact, when we were waiting to go into the venue, a couple of people stopped me who obviously recognized me from social media or followed me um, little to my awareness. And, and that they were just telling me their success stories. So one lady said that she had been ketogenic for 10 years and it um, had put her cancer into remission and that's why she started doing keto all those years ago and then there were other people with various other health issues um, I think somebody with Parkinson's um, or maybe that was a relative of theirs um, but obviously the relative had, had come along to find out more about this day because all of, all of the talks were centered around metabolic health um, but there were just so many 
just lovely success stories that were be, being exchanged and a couple of other people who'd used it kind of more a bit more for mental health and then of course there were lots of other people I didn't even get a chance to speak to because it was a busy morning and quite a few other speakers there too um but I, I think there's a growing community community and then obviously well maybe not obviously for people but there's going to be a much bigger public health collaborative meeting next month in Sheffield and there's some big names coming to that including Georgia Ede herself and Ben Bickman and Sean Baker and Anthony Jaffe and quite a few others so yeah it's a great group and um actually Sam Feltham back when he had Smash oh, yes. the Fat which was like a podcast before there were podcasts <laughs> uh, okay. um, was actually like my first influence in this kind of world. And I think what he was essentially advocating was kind of like a ketogenic diet before ketogenic diets were very popular with, um, I remember he had a, a focus on um, fat, good sources of fat, fatty meats. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't really into macro ratios or counting protein or things like that but really restricting carbohydrates to like leafy vegetables and low sugar fruits. And um, yeah, he, he's just an amazing individual. And then like devoting himself to the public health collaboration. I, I think it's really awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So I hadn't really been aware of Sam before that, that day that we had the Scottish meeting, but he was there and I got to meet with him and it's, it's quite clear the passion that he has for the organization and just trying to get good information out there to people to help to enable people to help themselves when it comes to health. Because um, I think that's really important. I think, um, you know, it shouldn't really be the, the case that people should rely on doctors to give them health advice. I would always be an advocate of asking people to do their own research and to, to satisfy themselves um, on any particular subject because um, we're not always given the best information, let's face it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you talk about focusing on root cause healing. Can you talk about what that means to you? And um, yeah, just elaborate on that. Yeah, gosh. So there's so much more that I still have to do on that and want to do on that and plan to do on that. So that's more kind of moving into the functional medicine um, realm of practice. So within my NHS work, unfortunately, it's not really possible to use all the tools that would be at your disposal as a functional medicine practitioner. Um, But I suppose my approach to try to keep some of the root cause healing in my mind has really been diving into the research and really trying to promote the use of ketogenic diets for for mental health, for major mental disorders. Um, Because really, a lot of the time, um, difficulties often come back to mitochondrial dysfunction, and that that applies across a range of different chronic health conditions. Um, But also the the link between gut health and brain health is also another major interest of mine. And certainly um, in functional medicine, we would consider gut health to be a cornerstone of health across all different bodily systems. Um, so, so yeah, so I've been just, just been trying to promote um, the research that is already out there and exists because unfortunately I think I think we're very busy and stretched within the National Health Service. And although there is, there are regulations around how much continuing professional development doctors and other allied staff do. There's not necessarily a lot of time for people to think outside the box and um, and you somewhat rely on conferences that are being organised and, and and then you get down the rabbit hole of who funds what organisations and um, yeah, it's just it's been nice to try and take a, take a step back and it's 
just really come from my own interest on on the whole metabolic health and its connection to mental health. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. I think there's still a lot we don't know, but there's so much potential to help people by looking at these other vectors such as gut health um, in and their tie-ins with um, how our brain functions. Um, and can you talk about uh, like some of the research you've done or research others have done um, on how um, changing our, our nutrition um, through therapeutic carbohydrate restriction or other means can impact our mental health and, and how what are what are some of the causes there and the effects? Yeah, so um, probably one of the most recent studies that I tend to think of is the study that came out of France with Dr. Albert Danan and Dr. Georgia Eid um, was involved in that research as well. And um, that was a psychiatrist who, I think there were around about 28 patients in the end that they had completed data on in the study. And um, these were patients that that psychiatrist had followed up for quite a number of years and knew very, very well. Um, and they had treatment resistant illnesses. So they had ongoing symptoms despite multiple medication trials um, and using all of the sort of standard approaches we would tend to use within psychiatry. And um, he admitted to them to hospital and then put them on a ketogenic diet. And everybody's symptoms improved over the course of time that they were there. Um, a significant proportion lost weight. Um, quite a few managed to reduce their medications. Some even managed to discontinue medications. And these were people with major diagnoses such as major depression, bipolar disorder, I think schizophrenia or schizoaffective. I forget the exact details. Um, so that was certainly uh, very remarkable results, I would say. Um, I, I'm obviously a real believer and very invested in in addressing underlying root causes of, of all sorts of health disorders. Um, but unfortunately, I'm just aware that some colleagues, when they heard about that study, were just immediately very cynical about it. And there was someone who made a comment saying, well, if we could, we can actually believe this, and, which is disappointing. Um, but that's just one example. Um, and I think the difficulty is that we don't have randomized controlled trials within psychiatry of ketogenic diets, but we do have a huge amount of research in terms of the use of ketogenic diets for treatment-resistant epilepsy, including Cochrane reviews on that on that matter, and we do often use anti-epileptic medications within psychiatry for quite a few different diagnoses. Um, other research: there have been quite a few kind of case studies over the years and case series, but again, that's relied on individual clinicians reporting improvements in patients, and some of those have been very remarkable. There was one from quite quite a few decades ago of someone who was in their 60s um, they could have even been close to 70 um, and they'd had decades and decades of psychotic symptoms and a diagnosis of schizophrenia and these symptoms were persistent and um, when they were put on a ketogenic diet um, the symptoms resolved entirely and the person actually managed to get off their medications that they'd been on for many many years. Um, but there, there are quite a few other similar but um, shorter duration case reports out there. And there, there are a few studies within different diagnoses, such as Alzheimer's disease. Um, so Alzheimer's is a big one in, in terms of the, the deficits you get in terms of glucose processing within the brain and the insulin resistance that develops in, in Alzheimer, Alzheimer's disease. And uh, so ketogenic diets can be incredibly 
uh, successful or potentially therapeutic in those situations. Um, and then there are others for ASD. So there are a few studies in children looking at autism spectrum disorders, showing improvements. Um, some of them just removing casein, so dairy and gluten. Um, and then others showing that a ketogenic diet was superior to even that, that gluten-free, casein-free diet, which also improved the symptoms of autism. Um, but there was one particular study in children, I think there were about 40, 45 children, and they found that the children who went on a ketogenic diet improved their functioning overall, um, and their improvements were superior to those who did the gluten-free, casein-free diet. There will be others as well off the top of my head that I just <laughs> can't immediately think of. Yeah. And you talked about for yourself, um, you know, carbohydrate and sugar addiction. Um, can you talk mm -hmm. about some of the impacts there of changing diet? And um, I think there's sometimes this um, reaction from certain parts of the health community that like you shouldn't cut out a food group entirely, you know, that um, creates uh, unsustainable diet practices, can lead to binging, et cetera. Curious how you think about that and, and what you've seen in the research and your clinical practice. Yeah, so um, when people make those sort of arguments, I just automatically go to the ancestral perspective and, and back to a lot of the work that Mark Sisson has done over the years. And um, Tim Noakes is another one. So um, I couldn't have any more respect for a clinician or somebody within the field than I do for Tim Noakes. And um, a lot of the training I've done with the Nutrition Network, they, they cover it very comprehensively in terms of um, evolution an evolutionarily um evolutionary perspective and um you know i i think processed foods unfortunately make up a huge uh, proportion of the modern diet these days and it just becomes normalized within society and culture because the vast majority of foods that you get when you go to the supermarket are highly processed and full of uh, junk foods such as seed oils or vegetable oils as some people call them um so yeah, I always go back to the ancestral perspective and argument, and I think it's very difficult to, to argue against that one. Um, and from my own personal experience, so I spent years thinking that I had a bit of an emotional eating problem um, because I didn't fully recognize that it was actually, I think from my own personal perspective, and I know people can have entirely different experiences, but it was actually a, a physical addiction problem with sugar in the end. Um, so keto really helped that. Um, so I, I didn't feel that I had the same sort of compulsions around food um, when I was keto as I would have done even when I was primal. So I was still including a fair bit of 70% kind of cocoa or above dark chocolate when I was doing primal. Um, and giveaways would be just a tendency to snack in the evenings. Um, but even when I was keto, there were a few foods that were still a bit compulsive and it was you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing. So I, I didn't, I wasn't necessarily fully aware of that during the time of being keto, but after going carnivore, it actually just really highlighted to me that there were still a few um, trigger type foods, one of them being nut butters um, and still the dark chocolate in there uh, to an extent when I was keto. And so when I went carnivore, um, I, it's hard to remember all of my thoughts over the years, but I certainly do remember recognizing that there had been a shift in terms of my thinking to the point of people talk about food freedom, but 
but having having plenty of time when I just had absolutely no preoccupation whatsoever with food. So being able to eat to satiety, feel completely nourished by what you're eating, and then not even need to think about food for hours and hours on end because you're fat adapted and, and you're not going through the sort of highs and lows of blood sugar crashes um, and insulin release that you would get on other diets. And, and so carnivore just has really revolutionized my relationship with food I would say because it's just very easy now I I eat because I'm hungry and because I need nourishment and nutrients and I eat a nutrient-dense diet and then I go for hours between meals and that was something else that became a lot easier was fasting when I went carnivore and because I tried that a bit when I was keto but always felt like I was forcing it a bit and although I've dialed that way back now but anyway it's um yeah just it's been a really interesting journey yeah, absolutely. And can you talk about um, some of your some of the ways in which you've helped clients um, with introducing ketogenic or carnivore style diets, carbohydrate restriction? What are some of the things that you've helped people with, and um, you know how has it worked for them? Yeah, so I um, I work within quite a busy crisis service in Edinburgh, so. And the people I tend to see are in an acute crisis when it comes to their mental health. So some of them will be severely depressed or psychotic. Um, suicidal tends to be a very common complaint that we're dealing with an acute suicidality. <clears throat> and so it's not always appropriate to have the sort of diet discussion, depending what else we've been discussing in the consultation. But I certainly do speak to a lot more people now about diet than I would have done in years gone by. And um, I've had one particular person very recently with um, a bipolar disorder who'd been unwell for a long time um, and sort of somewhat uncharacteristically had been with our service for a long time because we tend to see people just very short term but this person just couldn't get out of the bit with a severe agitated depression and bipolar disorder and had various problems with medications um, and also had a had a liking for natural treatments and, and really um a wish to not be on medications unnecessarily or if they could avoid it entirely. And um, in the end, after speaking to her a couple of times, uh, they decided that they were going to try a ketogenic diet. And actually, they've done incredibly well. And within a week of change of transitioning over to a ketogenic diet, their mental state improved significantly. And within two weeks, um, they were sort of 80 to 90% improved in comparison to what they had been for the prior seven months. Um, and that person I continue to follow up. So I've started a small metabolic psychiatry clinic within the NHS um, in which I work. And I'm following that person up and troubleshooting with them when things come up. But they've actually been doing incredibly well and much, much better than they had been doing for the majority of the year before they went keto. And there are various other people. So um, I see all sorts of people. Someone recently had chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia and so again it felt relevant to have a conversation regarding mitochondrial health for them and there's so many benefits of a ketogenic diet in terms of our mitochondria Um, and then someone else recently with awful gastrointestinal symptoms who'd been told by their their general practitioner that was nothing more they could do for them And, and when I asked them what are you eating um they said cereal toast and biscuits and I thought okay hang on we need to go back to basics here. And actually, um, 
they were incredibly receptive to the information and just said that they'd never ever heard any of this before but um they had some professional training in their background to do with the food industry and in actual fact it had just been years since they'd worked in that industry and it all sort of made sense what I was talking about and so they were very appreciative and I haven't actually seen them since so I don't know what they've done with it but I tend to give people a lot of the information that Georgia Eads armed me with and allow people to do their own research. So for some people, I say maybe now is not quite the right time, but you might want to go down this rabbit hole and look into it when things are a bit more stable. Um, and I had a family very recently where I was recommending they look at it in terms of their daughter. And um, actually, the next time I went back to the house, I didn't bring the subject up because we were talking about other things that time. And when I was getting up to leave, the parents stopped me and said, oh, we've looked into the keto stuff. And actually, we both started keto. So that really amused me. Wow, that's great. <laughs> <And> they, were, <laughs> they were trying it out before um, before maybe the daughter was going to think about it. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, that's, that's, that's what um, gets me excited. It makes me feel really satisfied when people, you can just give them the right places to look for information and then let them go off and do some research themselves and see what they think. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. I, I can tell you've been doing this a long time because you you don't force it on people that you don't push it on people, but you sprinkle it, sprinkle it in tactfully <laughs> in the right yeah. situations and let people yeah, yeah. come to you when they're ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's um, no one wants to be forced into anything. So I, th I generally think people get there better when they do it in their own time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what areas of research or, um, changes in the way education works or or kind of we spoke a little bit at the beginning about awareness for the impacts of nutrition on mental health what areas are you most excited about interested in um over the coming years going forward yeah so um metabolic health is a huge one so everything that the public health collaborative is driving forward particularly um dr david unwin's work um, and dr jen unwin's work in terms of sugar addiction and food addiction more widely. Um, I, I really like the research that Dr. Anwan has done because um, he's done it very by the book and um, it's a very accessible, respectable paper that will appeal to many clinicians within the NHS. And so I would hope over time that particularly for type 2 diabetes, there might be some sort of shift in, in attitude and focus in terms of the research for that. And you just have to hope that that will eventually pervade across other fields, particularly if we can get research demonstrating benefits of um, ketogenic metabolic therapy for major mental disorders. Um, but at the same time, I, I'm, I feel very aligned with the functional medicine approach, which I can't really practice within the NHS. And so um, I, I'm aware there is a growing community of functional medicine clinicians within the UK um, and internationally. And um, so I would hope that, that that side of things would grow too. Ideally, it would be really nice if we could have that within the National Health Service, but I suspect just the way things are going politically and with funding and so on, that that, that might not be realistic. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and can you talk a little bit about your book? Rachel, um, what was the impetus for that? What does it cover? And who's it Who's it for? Yeah, so I wrote that book partly for myself, um, but really I had other sort of just your everyday person in mind when I wrote it because I 
after doing George's course and then and then trying to revisit the research myself, I really wanted to piece together into a coherent narrative, really, just how the research and what we know so far all pieces together um, with a bit of a functional medicine influence, particularly in terms of the gut-brain connection or gut-brain axis. And so I wanted to put something down on paper, essentially, that I often don't, everything I want to tell people, but I often have very little time to do so. Um, so I just wanted to make it an accessible read and also to have a place for myself to refer back to and um, a place to point people in the direction of if they want want a bit of an overview of and um, of metabolic psychiatry and the clear connections between metabolic health and mental health. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think it's an excellent resource for individuals and practitioners alike to learn more about um, a lot of your research and the the science and um, theory and practical application behind uh, diet and mental health. Yeah, and I was just going to pick up on something that you said earlier because um, I feel I feel like there's a bit of tension within the the kind of nutrition community in that um, I don't know how best to put this that that there are um, nutritionists or dietitians very qualified in the use of ketogenic diets and and you get very specific types and subtypes of ketogenic diets particularly for medical applications so in terms of epilepsy um and it's some people view some people have the opinion that someone should always work with a dietitian when they're um, initiating a ketogenic diet but then on the flip side of that i know plenty of other plenty of others and myself included where people have just been able to transition into that lifestyle with armed with good information and a bit of trial and error. And um, I suppose I just want to say, I, I think I think most people would be able to look at the information that's out there and to transition. Some, some of them might want to transition a bit more slowly into lower carb, and I think that's absolutely fine. But um, I, I don't really want a ketogenic diet to be made into something inaccessible or um, even you know, God forbid, some people think it's potentially dangerous. And, you know, there are a few contraindications for it, but generally those, those, those conditions are fairly rare. And um, I suppose I often just think about kind of Ken Berry's um, work. Um, I'm a big fan of Ken Berry as well and sort of proper human diet, as he refers to it as. And I, I tend to like to think that not everybody needs to track meticulously and not everybody needs to be checking their ketone levels. Um, and a lot of people can benefit from just actually going to a natural whole, whole foods diet and picking nutrient dense foods and concentrating on elimin eliminating some of the biggest offenders such as seed oils and sugar and, and refined carbs. And a lot of people could benefit just from taking those steps without necessarily having to fine tune their, their ketone levels within a, a very specific range. But obviously, you will get some people who've had more problematic illnesses who may need to, to go to those greater efforts and may need additional support to do that. Yep, yep, that makes perfect sense. Um, well, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on today. Really appreciate it. It's great to meet you and learn more about your work. Um, where can folks find you online if they want to connect with you, follow along, get in touch? Yes, yeah, so um, well, I'm on Instagram as Carnivore Shrink. So I probably post most of my information on Instagram. I'm not really a very big Twitter <laughs> person, um, 
I actually, I should mention that I'm going to be doing um, mental health, uh, metabolic mental health coaching with a colleague of mine, Ali Houston. And so people can sign up to get updates from us um, via our website, which is www.metsci.com. So it stands for metabolic psychiatry, just M-E-T-P-S-Y. Um, and that's a really exciting uh, kind of venture we have planned um, for later this year, doing group coaching for people and to provide more support out there. Um, Ali himself has also trained with Dr. Georgia Ede too and has his own kind of recovery story in terms of mental health and, and diet and um, his own sort of coaching business too and experience. So, um, so people can find us there. Um, and I have a website, foodforthoughtpsychiatrist.com as well. Excellent. Well, I'll um, get all those links from you and have them in the show notes so folks can easily visit it. Um, and thank you so much for coming on today, uh, Dr. Brown. Really appreciate it. It's great to learn from you and uh, really appreciate your time. I've learned a lot and I'm sure the audience has too. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, anytime. I think just more people need to know about this stuff. So thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the show. You can find The Scott Mai Show on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Please leave a comment, like, review, or share the podcast with your friends or followers. It helps more people find the show.